Well, good morning. Please open your Bibles to Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. It's on page 1174 in the Pew Bible. And um, keep your finger in that place because we'll be referring uh, back to these verses uh, throughout the message. This past year, I've been spending a lot of time in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, memorizing these verses and meditating on them. Last October, I was writing up the history of a number of our furnishings as a Christmas gift to our children and their families. Since they were always asking, Dad, where did this piece come from? Or what's the history behind that piece? Or who in the family did this piece belong to? And I thought, if I don't write it down, then when Sharon and I die, no one will know the answers to those questions. Aren't there a lot of questions that you ask too late and you wish that you knew the answers, but the people who could answer them are no longer around? And I thought one of the pieces that I was writing was about a 19th century pine cupboard. And I remembered preaching about it for my candidating sermon here at the Jericho Congregational Church on October 11th, 1987, 35 years ago. Amazingly, I was able to put my hands on it and was very surprised when I saw that the scripture I had based it on was Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10. So I thought it would be worthwhile to expand it and revisit it with overhead slides and preach it again in light of what God has been teaching me in the last 35 years. So just out of curiosity, raise your hand if you were here for my candidating sermon on October 11th, 1987. Four, five, six, seven, about seven people. I had titled it, Lessons from a Pine Cupboard. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, begins the second chapter by reminding Christians in Ephesus of what they once were and of what God has now made them. In the Greek, verses 1 through 10 are one grand sentence. Beginning at verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The ruler of the kingdom of the air is just another phrase for Satan. 
the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time. So Paul is including himself and those who were with Paul. Gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But, there's that wonderful word, but, which cancels out what comes before it. But God. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. May the Lord add his blessing to this reading of his word. And may the Holy Spirit give us understanding and apply his word to our hearts. My granddaughter is gonna give me some competition. <laughs> to summarize what Paul was saying, we were all once spiritually dead and objects of wrath. But God, who is rich in mercy, and because of his great love for us, made us alive with Christ. It is by grace you have been saved, says Paul in verses four and five. And in verse eight, Paul reiterates that, it is by grace you have been saved through faith, concluding with verse 10, that we are God's workmanship. So the question I have for us this morning is what does it mean to be God's workmanship? Maybe I can help answer that question by telling a story. This is a true story. One of my hobbies or pastimes is furniture restoration. I enjoy going to an occasional auction to see if I can find a bargain that everyone else has overlooked. In October 1986, I was at an auction at a farm in Whiting, Vermont. And I saw an old armoire in rough shape. One door was unhinged. It was filled with hay and covered with years of dust. It was in sad shape. But I could see its potential as a lovely pine cupboard needing shelves inside for storage. I set myself a limit on what I was willing to pay and the bidding 
began. I kept increasing my bid every time the auctioneer looked my way. But after bid after counter bid continued, there were just two of us left. Auction fever got the best of me. <laughs> I passed my limit. I suppose you know that there are some people who go to auctions and never bid on anything. They just go for the fun of watching people like me get carried away and make fools of ourselves. Well, to make a painful story short, the auctioneer finally looked at me and shouted, sold. I could feel my heart pounding and the reality hit me. I paid way more than I had planned on paying. So if you're ever looking for a piece of furniture to restore, there are four questions you should be asking yourself not necessarily in this order. Number one, what's the cost going to be? You need to count the cost. Number two, what's the damage? Number three, what's the required work to repair the damage and restore the peace? And what kind of workers will be needed? Are you gonna take it someplace to have it stripped? Are you going to need a professional cabinet maker to do some of the repairs? Are you gonna do it yourself and so on? And finally, what's the purpose? Why are you buying it in the first place? Do you have a purpose in mind for it? So first, the cost. Every time I look at that pine cupboard and think of its cost, which to me was considerable at the time, I am reminded of the tremendous cost God paid for you and me. 1 Corinthians 6.20, Paul says, you are not your own, you were bought at a price. And 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, which you heard for the call to worship, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. I praise God that he didn't set a limit on us a limit on what he was willing to pay for us. That he was willing to go all the way to purchase us, to buy us back from our empty way of life at tremendous expense, the precious blood of his own son. So what I paid for that pine cupboard is nothing, nothing compared to what God has paid for you and me. Second, the damage, the extent of the damage. This is really just the beginning of my story. When I, bought that when I brought that cupboard home, I failed to realize the extent of the damage. I saw that a door was off its hinges, that the varnish was old, 
that there was a lot of hay and dust inside it. And at first glance, this looked like an ordinary drawer. But I never noticed the small holes in the hardwood drawers until the next spring when I found little piles of sawdust on the floor. I called UVM extension. Now can you see the holes? I learned that I had powder post beetles that lay eggs in hardwoods which hatch into larvae which bore and tunnel inside the wood out of sight for months on end until turning into adult beetles which then make exit holes, lay eggs, and the process repeats itself. Powder post beetles have been known to destroy barns and houses and furniture. They are analogous to sin, the sin in our lives, because so often we fail to realize the extent of the damage that sin is doing to us since it is at work under the surface. The result of sin is death. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 2.1, as for you, you were dead. And verse three, all of us also lived among them, those in the world, at one time gratifying the cravings of our physical nature and following its thoughts and desires. We were dead. We were all spiritually dead in our transgressions and sins. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The tragedy is that people are spiritually dead and don't even know it. Sin is like powder post beetles laying eggs, working away on the inside, tunneling, tunneling until the whole building collapses. At first, we're not even aware of it. A little compromise here, a little distortion of the truth there, some anger held onto and left unresolved, some envy unconfessed, a neighbor avoided, a DVD bordering on the obscene. Little by little, we begin to give in to gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature. The insidious nature of it is that we fail to realize the extent of the damage until the Holy Spirit convicts us and we come to the realization that we are spiritually dead, objects of God's wrath, disobedient. Jesus said it, or James said it this way, no one should say God is tempting me but each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. James 1, verses 13 and following. 
Today, one need not look very far in order to witness the devastation of sin. It is all around us. Maybe some of you have not yet realized the ravages of sin in your own life. The older I get, the more conscious I have become of my past sins. But back to that pine cupboard. An antique dealer down the street from me said, when I go to an auction preview, if I see any evidence of powder post beetles, I don't buy the item. It's not worth the trouble. Well, that didn't make me feel very good. What if God had said about you and me, it's not worth the trouble. I praise God that even though he knows the full extent of the damage and ravages of sin in our lives, even though we were by nature objects of wrath, even though we were dead, spiritually dead in our transgressions and sins, he was still willing to buy us, work on us, and restore us. He never said, nor will he say, like my neighborhood antique dealer, that you and I are, quote, not worth the trouble, unquote. As I look at that pine cupboard and see the holes of the powder post beetles in its hardwood drawers, I'm reminded of the ravages of sin in my own life. And in spite of sin's devastation, I'm thankful for God's willingness to work on me. Number three, the work, the work of restoration. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5 says, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you have been saved. The definition of restoration is the act of bringing back to a former or normal state. The act of bringing back to health or strength. My wife Sharon said, Peter, you paid a lot of money for that cupboard. Are you just going to let it sit out in the garage? So first I had to contact an exterminator to deal with the powder post beetles then use paint stripper and steel wool to remove the old varnish. I washed and sanded the wood, cleaned out the inside, fixed and reattached the door, and put several coats of new varnish on the whole piece. It was plain, hard work, and all at my initiative. The cupboard did not restore itself. That's an important point to keep in mind. It could have sat there for years in the garage and it never would have restored itself. And it could not take any credit for my workmanship. It had no grounds for boasting. It was, I was the one who had prepared a job for this former armoire to do and now serve 
as a pine storage cupboard. As I look at that refinished pine cupboard and think of all the work involved in restoring it to its former state, I'm reminded of God's work of restoration in our lives. That it is exactly that, his work, not mine, not yours. For while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5.8. Isn't it astonishing that God loved us even while we were spiritually broken and dead? Because of his great love for us, because of his mercy and grace, he has made us alive in Christ so that we can believe in his son, Jesus. This is not our doing. It is the gift of God. We are his workmanship. God supplied the exterminator, Jesus. He strips off the old nature and it is God who chose to make us alive with Christ so we could believe on the Lord Jesus and be restored. The ESV study Bible says it this way, since we were dead, we first had to be made alive so we could believe. This is why salvation is by grace alone, never by our works. We can't restore ourselves anymore than that pine cupboard could restore itself. Romans 5, 6, Paul says, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. There's absolutely no room for boasting. As the psalmist says, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. Psalm 100, verse 3. We are his handiwork. We are his workmanship, saved by his grace, not by any work or effort of our own. Once again, we have no grounds for boasting. It is God who purchased us. It is God who restores us. It is God who works in us still. And I am confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of his coming, Philippians 1.6. Fourth, the purpose. Made for good works. So what of that pine cupboard? I really bought it with a purpose in mind that it might be more than an armoire. We needed a cupboard. It had a cupboard job to do. So I added seven adjustable pine shelves inside and put magnetic catches on the doors and repurposed it. It has served us well as a pine cupboard for the last 36 years. In the same way, God restored us with a purpose in mind. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
Just as the sun was created to shine, the rose to give forth its fragrance, the bird to fly, so the Christian is a new creation, restored to what God had intended us to be before sin entered the world and to do the good works that God had prepared in advance for us to do and thus glorify him who created us. As restored and repurposed people, our chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. To be, as the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 1.12, for the praise of his glory. In conclusion, here you can see the two hardwood drawers that were once infested with powder post beetles. As I now look at that restored and repurposed pine armoire, I enjoy seeing the finished product. Ministry does not usually lend itself to seeing many finished products, since as people, we are always in process. But I can look at that cupboard with a sense of satisfaction, and I note the irony of the doors, which you see here, that are called tombstone doors, because they look like tombstones. To me, they are a reminder of my former spiritual state of being dead in my transgressions and sins, but then of being made alive with Christ because of God's great love for me and his rich mercy. I want to leave you with four questions this morning. First, when I think about that pine cupboard and what it cost me, I can't help but consider the tremendous cost, the great price that God paid to save me. What about you? Do you realize the tremendous cost that God paid for each of you? Second, when I think of my encounter with powder post beetles, I'm reminded of the sin beetles in my life and how thankfully they have been successfully exterminated by Jesus. However, I'm continually learning about the extent of sin's damage. I deal with it by first admitting it to myself, confessing it, and then asking for forgiveness. And I have to be vigilant to keep those sin beetles from returning and taking up residence in my life again. What about you? Have you recognized the extent of the damage of sin in your life and dealt with it? Third, when I think about the work of restoration, I'm reminded that God's work of restoration is ongoing and can be painful at times, like sanding off my rough edges, teaching me to deal with conflict in a godly way, or helping me conquer my fear of anger. Because of that painful process, 
I sometimes resist God's work of restoration. What about you? Have you been resisting God's work of restoration in your life? Fourth, when I think of the purpose I had in mind for that old armoire to become a cupboard, I'm reminded of the works God prepared in advance for me to do. I'm supposed to be doing them out of gratitude for what he has done for me. But if I'm honest with myself, I often end up doing them to be seen by others or to make others like me or think well of me. And sometimes it's all about performance, thinking God will accept me based on my performance when he's already accepted me just as I am. What about you? Have you been doing the works God prepared in advance for you to do out of gratitude for what he's already done for you? Or are you still trying to win his approval? Are you fulfilling the purpose for which God restored you? These are important questions to ask ourselves. I wonder, does God have the same satisfaction looking at our restored lives as I have looking at that restored and repurposed pine cupboard? For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you for the tremendous cost of your only son, Jesus, that you were willing to pay to purchase and restore a people for yourself. We recognize that were it not for his painful and humiliating sacrifice, we would still be dead in our transgressions and sins and by nature objects of your wrath. We praise you for your grace and your work of restoration in our lives. May your Holy Spirit continue his work of repairing, refinishing, and repurposing us. And may we be empowered by him to do the works you have prepared in advance for us to do. And Father, we pray that if there is anyone here this morning or listening online who does not know you, that you would draw them to yourself, that they too, because of your great love and rich mercy, would be made alive with Christ and saved by your grace through faith in him. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.